This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, Truman Jones is on News Radio WGNS. Good morning, Rutherford County. Got John Daniel Rudd, who is, has been my doctor for years and, and my friend for many, many years. And uh, well, how did you end up on another radio show this morning before you got over here with me? Bart called me and asked me to do it. And so I said, okay. And I did. Did you not tell him good, for, that, that, good morning. That, that you. <laughs> Did you not tell him that you were coming here this morning? No. We, we don't want to double dose uh, all the people out there. Uh, well, you were probably talking about the, uh, what's that disease? The, it starts with a C and got a V in it somewhere. It does. Yeah. Uh, are you still talking about that crap? We Well, now, see, for you, it's past history because you had it, got yeah. over it, and are immune to it. Yeah. But a lot of people haven't yet. How do they know? Because most people, as you know, are not being tested. Uh, uh, most people don't even have any signs of the disease, which I didn't either. And uh, it, it, it's, it's the most complicated disease I've ever heard of because it's become, guess what the P word is, political. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. It, isn't that strange? It's it's very strange. Yeah. But But it's a fact, and I think that... You know, one of the things that's that's really been good about this is we have learned so many things about viruses, about how to treat viruses, mm-hmm. and about new ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. And and so, in the long run, this is going to be it's there's going to be positive effects. So, what you're saying, the best way to treat a virus is to get the virus. And then you can uh, learn from each patient's experiences with the virus and, and uh, how they're going to be, uh, how deeply they're going to be affected by it and, and things like that. Is, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I think you're putting words in my mouth there. But, no, I think the more people we see with any, any disease, mm-hmm. the more we learn. Mm-hmm. If we don't ever see a disease, we don't learn much. Yeah. And we are definitely seeing a lot of people with uh, COVID-19. Yeah. You know what I have found through this experience is the most conservative doctors, they stay with it and they work hard uh, to make sure that they are effectively taking care of the patient, but they're also uh, gaining from the experience. Um the, the most the the liberal of the doctors, uh, they're out in the streets. You know, if they're called in, they'll they'll be uh, uh, maybe available. Yeah, do you remember uh, the movie? What was it, Caddyshack? 
Do you remember yes. the doctor that uh, they? It was an emergency, but uh, he he would put her on hold and tell them how to keep her alive till he gets through with the uh, the right. eighteen holes out <laughs> there. Do. Isn't that? Well, you, you're you're certainly not like that. Well, I I think the vast majority of doctors aren't like you that. You think so? Yeah, you know, now yeah. there may there may be some, but uh, some places. But I think that's not representative of uh, the people I know. Yeah. You guys took care of little Regina, one of my little buddies, uh, yesterday, and she was worried about her. Everybody has shoulders that, uh, problems after age 50, it seems like. Very common. Yeah. very. Uh, both of mine are, are, are gone pretty much, so I'm not worrying about them other than the pain. But you guys went in there, and she was so worried that she was going to have to have surgery, and you, you took the x-rays and, and worked with her, and now... Uh, a lot of people, they they will jump under the knife if they think that they actually need that to get rid of the pain. But there's so many different other ways, aren't they? Well, there are. But let me tell you first, uh, uh, just to be have it out there, is I've had both of my shoulders fixed. So you know, I've been through the knife, and uh, you know. I don't remember you lifting weights and doing all that other crap. Well, now you, you got two different things: uh-huh. you lifting weights and getting older. Yeah. You, you can get older without lifting weights. But you're not older. Uh, um, you're a well, baby. Uh, maybe to you, but yeah. you know, in the in the scope of in, like what they, the life insurance calls me, I'm not uh-huh. a baby. And so, uh, but I've had uh, both rotator cuffs repaired and. Uh, you know, and but I, that's that's pretty easy. You don't have a lot of lasting bad effects off that, do you? No, I, they. It's really done terrific. Yeah. And I'm, I am very grateful that the procedures were available. And you know, I'm 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 back to normal. Yeah. But you know, for people who need that, mm-hmm. it, it, they need it. Yeah. And and a, a steroid injection or physical therapy is not going to really help much. If your rotator cuff is is damaged badly, yeah, but that's the one one of the the few surgeries that's done in the shoulders. Some of the uh, people will go in and have the surgery on their shoulders, and then for the rest of their lives, they're not going to be able to lift over ten or fifteen pounds and things like that. Yeah. I had rather have the pain than go through. Yeah, that. well, there's a lot of different problems that can. Um, require surgery. Yeah. I mean, it's not all the same thing. Yeah. And also, depending on how advanced it is, when you have the surgery, often determines the outcome mm-hmm. and, you know, what your long-term uh, picture is going to look like. Yeah. But um, uh, fortunately, shoulder surgery has advanced dramatically, just like a lot of things have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now um, people who pr- would have before had long-term disability can uh, really be doing well with a shoulder repair. Now, we have a caller on the line. I wonder if they're having shoulder problems. I don't know. Caller, welcome aboard with Dr. John Daniel Rudd. Hey, good morning, Truman. This is Dick Peach. Hey, Dick. How are you? And Dr. Rudd. I'll say hello to him, too. Hey, good morning there, Dick. Are you still running, or or, uh, have you given that up? Oh, I had to give that up about uh, seven years ago, I guess. Hell longer than that. Uh, 2012. Um, oh, bless you. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, uh, how did uh, did you get over the COVID fairly quickly? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, as, I, soon, I, as soon as uh, Dr. Rudd uh, looked up CDC for me and uh, and and gave me the the real uh, dope on how to get, how to get back in into the world again. Yeah. I I yeah I had I had it Truman and I was going to ask the doctor, Dr. Rudd. There must be several degrees of it because I've talked to some people talking about mild, but I didn't have nothing like mild. It's terrible. One yeah, of the worst sicknesses I've ever had in my life. Well, unfortunately, uh, uh, a lot of people have a pretty severe case. But, you know, it sounds like that uh, you you have recovered. How long ago was it that you had it? Oh, well, I can't see. I was tested on the 25th of August, and 26th I got my positive a report, and uh, I was sick. At, I, I went to my son's house, Jeff, so he could help quarantine us. Anyway, I was there about three weeks. I was I was bad sick for about three weeks, doctor. I had everything except the uh, respiratory. I didn't. I never had any respiratory uh, troubles. I kept my lungs clear and my oxygen levels 93, 96. That's the only thing. But I, what was so bad for me, doctor, was and and uh, Truman, did you have any of this? Was the mental fog it puts on you? It's it, <laughs> terrible. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, but that's it, it drives that's you very crazy. Common. It drives you crazy is what it does. Yeah. Yeah. And in in people who get a more severe illness, that mental fog is worse. And it it's it can really last. I mean, you know, there are uh, a group of people that they call the long haulers that are probably 15 to 20% of people who get COVID-19 who are sick for weeks to months, mm. yeah. and it, it can take a long time. And the COVID-19 disease can leave, especially your lungs, damaged severely and actually lead to um, a debilitating lung disease in the long term. Yes, I've, I've heard that on the national news just last night about how that they might have some residual stuff there that might come back on folks and make them weaker in the future. Uh, but I praise the Lord. I uh, got my negative report yesterday. I want to share that with you. Congratulations on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most people, the vast majority of people, are negative with the PCR test in 10 days. But there are people who are positive for several weeks to months. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, Truman, I think I think you know you take good, pretty good care of yourself, and I've tried to do that too. I've been going the while, you know, for 12, 12 years every two days. I, I believe that helped me too. I think staying healthy and working out and and having exercise every day is the best thing in the world, and it keeps you young. I, I know you've always wanted to be young. Well, Big yeah, boy. I, I you were a great, you were great. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. You were a great school resource officer. And do you remember when we used to run from the jail all the way over to MTSU when we were supporting the, uh, uh, the, the Olympics yeah. over there and yeah. things like that? And no, that, didn't you, you were as healthy as a horse during that time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd like to run everywhere I went. I was about like Forrest. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you were a lot like Forrest Gump. <laughs> hey, hey, good to talk to y'all. I, I just wanted to share that news with you and uh, say I, I, I'm going to do whatever it is it takes to never get this again. I'll run around the house five times backward and hire a rag in the yard <laughs> or whatever, but I don't want it no more. 
Well, it's really good to hear that you've gotten through the worst part of it and 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 take care. Okay, thank you. Thank you all. I'll see you later. Thank you, Dick. You know, one of the best things to deal with any kind of disease is have a sense of humor. I have noticed that and have friends. There's nothing like, uh, you know, uh, Harry Gill got it, as you know, and he uh, he called me and <laughs> he said, I want to know about this blankety-blank thing that I've got now. And and we would have conversations, and, it, and you could tell he felt better, and I felt better talking to you, and you would tell me that uh, I probably wouldn't pass away in the next three or four days. And, and you have a great <laughs> bedside manner. You really do. And, you know, I complain about uh, uh, some kind of shoulder problem or, or whatever I have, and you say, well, what in the heck do you expect at your age? See, you the, the bedside manner is something that gets you through all these it things. It means everything. It really it? does. It I, I felt so yeah. good afterwards. <laughs> I, you know, I wish you would grow a beard. You, you need to grow a beard. With, with your attitude, you are a, you're, you're kind of like the mountain men of the, the 1880s and stuff like that. I, I love the way that you do things. But you are the consummate physician. You really are. You go to uh, Boston every other year, Harvard. Not, not this year. No, I mean, no reason to go. Everybody's over there has got the COVID virus. But it, it, it's just something that you do to make sure that you are on top of, of uh, the knowledge that you can take care of your patients. And, and the real... Dr. Rudd, who who uh, has the, the patients that stay with you for years, and and a lot of them have terrible diseases, but you're able to really make them feel better, and you do all the things that you can find out what the latest uh, cures are for those particular diseases. And I guess the uh, uh, the person that I, I you had probably the longest for a terrible disease was Miss Dora Rivers. And she could not wait to go see you. She loved you to death. And every time uh, we would start talking about you, she'd have a little tear in her eyes because of how much you had cared for her and done so much for her, for the whole family, actually. Well, thanks, Truman. I, I appreciate that. I, I mean, I, I do feel like that, you know, as a physician that... It's it's my job to be the best that I can be, yep. and to uh, know as much about what I'm doing as I can know. Mm -hmm. But I also recognize that it it takes nowadays a, a lot of different people to take care of folks. I mean, yeah. there's so many specialties involved in taking care of uh, chronically ill people. Everything from you know, depending if you're talking about infections and with infectious disease doctors or cancers with oncologists, it there's so much knowledge out there that has to be known. Mm -hmm. One person cannot know it all. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. There, There's just too much. And thank goodness we have the availability and the resources in our country now to have so many specialists that are so good. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's... It's a huge advantage to living in America. Yeah. Well, I the thing that's gone on, uh, we'll get back. I don't like talking about the virus because it, it, it seems like the medical profession 
is they're covering all sides of this thing. And it seems like very few of, of, of the national uh, positions in the media, they, they may be, uh, a lot of them have uh, uh, seemed like they've moved over to Washington, D.C., but they seem to have different thoughts about uh, what the future is going to be with a particular de- disease. And I know you, all these studies, they're coming up with so many different things. How can you actually put your thumb on what's happening with that disease with all the different thoughts and, and all the different um, studies that have gone on with it? I think that there's a couple of things you can do. One thing is this disease is caused by a virus Mm -hmm. that is in a family of viruses that we know very well. Mm -hmm. And because it's in that family, that family's history helps us to know what's going to happen with this virus. So we know that the SARS-CoV-2 virus is a what's called a beta coronavirus, which is a type of virus that has an RNA uh, nucleic acid inside of it. It has proteins on the outside that we have identified that are spike proteins. We, we know how it works in the immune system. We know the seasonality of it. We know that typically it's a respiratory virus, so in the winter uh, it's worse than in the summer. Mm-hmm. We know that it is spread person to person. Uh, we know that it's spread by aerosol. The vast majority of cases, people catch it directly from another person, being close to a person that has it. That's, I mean, tell how you caught it. We went to a graduation in uh, Eagleville High there, School. There you go. My, my grandson and uh, his, his uh, uh, little girlfriend, and uh, there were sick people around us. We didn't realize it at the time, of course. And um, when we got home, we found out that some of the people were actually did have the virus, and we were close to them. And and, and we also went to um, a couple of parties that uh, in, involved people who had grandchildren or children at the time. And we were told that so many of them were affected, and we needed to have the test. Well, tell me about the the ride home that you had to take somebody. Yeah, I uh, took uh, one of the ladies home. Uh, I was uh, asked by my uh, one of my kids that I need would would I uh, volunteer to take her home, and I did. So, did she sit in the front seat? She she sat in the front seat with me. How long was the ride? Um, probably. 15, 20 minutes. Okay. And so at that time, was she positive for the COVID and you didn't know it? Yes. And so that explains totally how you caught it. And that's exactly what I like to tell people Mm -hmm. to do to protect themselves. But see, I'm lucky because I was affected by it. And then I really never had what everybody else's symptoms were. The only thing I had was I was going crazy being, uh, uh, I had to stay in my house, except I could go walk when everybody else was still sleeping, and I'd go walk for three or four miles. But uh, but I, I stayed busy, but uh, I, I, I did test positive uh, twice, I think it was. It was. And, and uh, I didn't feel 
the, the problems that everybody else seemed to have. Well, I'll tell you, though, when you say you didn't have the problems everybody else yeah, had. Yeah, I had no fever. You or, absolutely had the problems that 40% of people have, okay, which is minimal. Yeah. So you had the same symptoms 40% of people have. Mm-hmm. So you can't really say you didn't have anything anybody else ever had. No, I, I, no, you didn't let me finish as usual. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have the. I, I never had a fever. I, I, I uh, uh, on, on my uh, my breathing, uh, my my uh, air was. Let's see, what is it? Ninety something percent of of my breathing was right. Actually, Your oxygen I, I, saturation. I, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't have any loss of that. And so, um, um, what else is it? I, I mean, I had the uh, um, all the things well, that uh, the only thing that I really had that bothered me. Let's put it this way: was I can't stand to be cooped up. It right. drives me nuts. So I was going through the same mental problems that most of the people are that. They don't like to be um, away from others. Well, it, it gets into what are the symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that only about 25 to 30 percent of people have a fever. Yeah. So it, it's really not that common. Yeah. We know the most common symptoms are a cough, sneezing, or a nasal congestion. I didn't. I didn't have those. You got it all the time, so it's hard to tell. Well, I, mean, I have sinus problems. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. What no, was I what. started getting that when you started sticking those stupid <laughs> things up my nose. Okay, let's uh, go all on. Right, all right, let's move on. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we we know that some people have GI symptoms, uh, upset stomach. We know that didn't some that. some people will have loss of taste or smell. Uh, you know, that because we know that the virus infects some of the special nerve cells in the nose that are responsible for taste and smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that probably 40% of people have nothing. Mm-hmm. They don't have any fever. They don't have any symptoms. They're called asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people get it and don't know it. And they're the ones who are really likely to spread it. Because if they aren't tested, they don't have fever. I I have been told that those that have the fever are more likely to give it to others. That's false. Okay. Yeah, that's false. Okay. Yeah, uh, you're just as likely to give it to others if you have no symptoms mm-hmm. as you are if you have fever. Okay. If you are in the phase of the infection that the virus is reproducing rapidly, mm-hmm. which is in it's it's probably about four days after you're exposed mm-hmm. until about oh, eight or nine days after you're exposed. That window is when everybody transmits it, mm-hmm. whether you have symptoms, whether you have fever, or you don't. That's when you spread it. And that's why I kept telling you to stay home because everybody spreads it, even if you have no symptoms. If you have the virus, you can spread it. Mm-hmm. And that's important to know. So that's why after 10 days, you cut me loose. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the CDC recommendation. Mm-hmm. Basically, it if you test positive for the virus mm-hmm. and then you have 10 days of illness and you're not taking a fever-reducing medicine, at 10 days, you're afebrile. 
which you were, you were asymptomatic, then you can go back to normal activities. Now, did you turn me loose after 10 days because I, I kept bothering you? And, uh, and You know that doesn't bother me. Yes, it was bothering you. No. You, you were telling me, get a life, big boy. I mean, <laughs> no, if, that if, was, if you go crazy in your house, that's just one tough. That, that, was, that, probably, was, tough. that was probably Barry talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, do you you t- must have had you, that mental fog, You treat too. everybody as bad as yeah. you treat me. <laughs> no, no, no. What if it had been John Brown? <laughs> You didn't answer me. You can't, can you? You would be, uh, you would be, uh, what is it, uh, uh, the hippopotamus uh, act or what is it? The hippopotamus act, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the HIPAA rules. Yeah. Now, let's get into some serious conversation. How do you think the Supreme Court nominee is going to be able to function under this grilling that's going to be fired at them by the Democrats once they are appointed. Of course, we all know that the individual that will be appointed, um, it's it's almost automatic because the Senate is will be the one that will actually name that particular person after uh, right. uh, the president uh, nominates that individual. And there's no doubt about, I, I, I really, I don't know exactly like everybody else which one it's going to be, but I think I'm pretty certain which one it will be. Well, I think that, you know, President Trump has indicated that Saturday afternoon he's going to say who it is. Right. And Five o'clock, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think that he wants to get the, uh, you know, services for Ginsburg out of the way mm-hmm. and get that, you know, kind of settled and then and then announce that. Um, they're going to come at her with pitchforks and yeah. butcher knives, and she's going to have to be tough. Yeah. I mean, we know it's a lady. But we don't know the, who it'll be for sure. But I think that with the uh, Republican uh, uh, Senate that we have, uh, it will be an automatic uh, yeah. push through because it has to be. I mean, we have to have nine people on the Supreme Court by the time this election comes around mm-hmm. because um, to, we've got to have it so that we have a tie-breaking vote yeah. no matter what happens. And um, and I think that we will. I, it's my understanding that the big thing that they're going to attack her with, uh, the, the Democrats, uh, will be that she was kidnapped by aliens back 15 or 20 yeah. years ago, and they will have a control over her. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Are you talking about Mexicans? <laughs> no, not that type of alien. <laughs> oh. No, I'm talking about space aliens. Oh, space yeah, aliens. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. okay, well I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, that, that, that is would probably make as much sense as what they're going to do, so yeah. probably why not go with that? Have you ever noticed that uh, once a person is um, actually is going to be on the Supreme Court, they go through all the the hoopla and all the things that are going on. If they're conservative or ultra conservative, they kind of go to the middle of the road. And, and um, if they've got a little bit of liberal in them, they'll go even further to the left. 
Have you noticed that? That seems to be the trend. I think it has to do with being in Washington, D.C. Now, do you think that, that a physician like yourself, do you think that you could go to Washington and cure the Potomac fever that seems to be pretty prevalent in, in Washington. It, it, the people go up there and they, they forget where they came from, the, the people that elected them to office, and it, it becomes, uh, what, what did Donald Trump ran against the swamp, remember? Right. It, 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 it seems like he was very correct when he was talking about that because look at all the media and everything because he has opened up a can of worms with all of them. Well, he definitely has exposed um, a part of the culture in Washington, D.C. that I think a lot of people had never seen. Yeah, and and, and they thought it would never happen. Well, it, it looked impossible for somebody who had never held office, mm-hmm. any office, um, to win as president. Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. it really is. And, you know, I think that he came along at the right time with the right message, and he had the right amount of money. Yeah. To, you have to have that. You have to have that and to get out there. And, you know, to beat all the Republicans in the Republican primary that he beat. Yeah. Shows, he's, he's really not a Republican. No, he's no. pretty much independent. Well, and, you know, he's, he's different. Yeah. And I think that to see what he did— and how he did it and how effective he's been is uh, it's a lesson that uh, I don't know if it'll ever be understood totally, mm-hmm. but it's it's incredible, really, to be alive and, and see this in, in our lifetime. The career politicians see him as the enemy, don't they? Oh, he is for them. He yeah. definitely is. Because everything they've learned has been thrown out the window with him. Mm-hmm. How you get to that point is just totally gone. The way in the past, and, and it's typical even in the Democrat Party today, they pick who they owe loyalty to yeah. to get the nomination to run for president. And, you know, and I, I'm amazed that the Democrats can, in all faith, nominate somebody with the total lack of mental acuity that they've nominated yeah in this in this election it is unbelievable because we we have absolutely no idea who will really become president when he is unable to function if he gets elected and and to see it is is just i i don't i don't know what to think i mean it's it's bizarre well, look how much experience he's had oh uh, between 40 and 50 years but he doesn't uh, even remember it yeah so, well, which I mean, is, I, I, in some ways is a good thing. It is a good thing, but it's, yeah. like, it's like it doesn't count. Yeah. I mean, none of it counts. That's the one thing that people should watch is people who have made a career out of politics, uh, they're, they're pretty much locked in, in, in a stone cottage, you might say, because everything that uh, they have learned for all these years in the political scene is all detrimental to to what we as citizens of the United States really need up there. Our voices are not being heard except when they're running for office and then by the time they get to Washington, uh, they they can't hear us anymore. Yeah, they forget. Yeah.
and it's a sad thing. Like you, like you as a, a doctor, you're learning all the time, and all of this is a benefit to your patients. It's not the same thing with politics. Well, I tell you, though, money and power are drugs. Yeah. And it's something that, for most people, it, it totally changes their behavior yeah. when they have money and power. And I think for President Trump, he had both of those things before, mm-hmm. and he was used to it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't seem to have changed him much, except that, you know, he's kind of a street fighter, and he mm-hmm. loves to fight, and he loves to fight with the media. Yeah. And the media like to fight with him. And so I think they're both happy. Yeah, and it's all kind of part of the politics, but just the the education community. Everything has changed there to fit their particular beliefs. And we've got the same thing in the in the news media. And, and with all of those things working against him, the, the bright people, they see everything as it's occurring. And I think there are... I know when Churchill said the worst thing about a democracy is its weakness, and its weakness is the people that it serves. Because a lot of times they don't really understand the blessings that they have having a democracy. And if you look at the other countries that uh, go with socialism, communism, which is close to being the same thing, all of those countries are failed because the takeover... Uh, they're the elitists, the ones that take over the government, and, and the people that supposedly they serve, then they're basically victims. Now, why cannot, I, of course, I guess most of the people that they think they're the elitists, um, they don't always rise to power either. They become victims too. It, it seems like people who think they're very bright, they don't understand what the 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 real takeover is going to be when they lose all their particular freedoms and and you remember when the mccarthy thing was going on it it was hollywood that was the targets back in in those particular days and uh, they're still there i mean it's it's amazing and you know we we're faced with this um it's it's a curse and a blessing to be able to have a country where Everybody has a voice. Yeah. And, you know, and to have a voice that can come from the extreme left or mm-hmm. from the extreme right or the middle, really to be able to hear all of those voices is, is the best thing. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is now a lot of the people on the left are becoming very intolerant of voices on the right. And that's a danger. And so the goal is to suppress freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, you change the country forever. And I think that it's like I saw an example of this in the news yesterday where um, a, a guy who is mayor of a little town in South Carolina called Polly's Island started a company that makes a cheese product that Costco buys mm-hmm. and Costco puts this in all their stores. Yeah. Well, he made a, 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 a Facebook post that he said Black Lives Matter was a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Costco immediately got rid of all of his company's product out of their stores. Yeah. So, in essence, they're squashing his right 
to speak. And when you start doing that and having economic consequences that fall upon people who, who speak their mind, mm-hmm. it suppresses speech. Yeah. And that is a bad thing. But, but we do not respond the way we should. If we have the right, it's like Costco, we have a right to not buy any of their products. In, 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 the, in the movies and things like that, we have a right not to support the movies, not to uh, support sports. I know that uh, I, I've, I've been a big sports fan and played for many years, and I will not watch ESPN anymore. I just absolutely won't watch it uh, simply because it's, it's all political, all leftist-type movements, and uh, they think that uh, that is their particular venue where they can spout out th- their particular beliefs, even though it may be harmful to our country. And the pe- people who, who actually serve us, the law enforcement people, they become the enemy. And how in the world can we let our main line of defense here in the United States be taken over by this type of a group? It, it seems... Unbelievable, but yeah. I know I yeah. understand, and I don't have an answer for that. But I, I think that well, we we can quit using their product. Well, but the problem is, is that with the amount of money that some of these billionaires have, they can strategically use that money to basically counter the the freedoms we have. Yeah. And an example of that was this week, where it became clear that. Uh, former Mayor Bloomberg of New yes. York City pouring money into Florida and other places is spending a hundred million dollars in Florida to try mm. to prevent Trump from winning Florida. Yeah. And one of the things he did is he spent money to pay the fines of 30, 32,000 felons yeah. to allow them to vote. Mm-hmm. So he alone is hoping to basically tempt these 32,000 people that he's going to target with voting Democratic by paying their fines, yeah. which he which he did. And apparently that's totally legal. Mm-hmm. And so when you have these billionaires who can use their money, and it's really, to them, a trivial amount of money. Yeah. I mean, it's really no big deal. I mean, $100 million to him is not a lot of money. and And he can spend that to affect elections by targeting it in certain jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know how you contradict, how you counteract that. I don't know. Well, people have to have the mindset to look into so, uh, a number of these things, and, and they have to be able to compare the, the candidates that are running. And to me, the hardest thing for individuals to find out exactly what is happening is we really don't have a news media anymore that uh, is looking in favor of of the type of people that we are. We, we still love America. We, we love a democratic system. And it, it's pretty simple to look at, to see in, in favor of the individuals that are actually supporting our ideals. It, it's not a difficult thing. It's, it's not a difficult thing, but the mainstream media is definitely has become a part of the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. And the, when the Democrat Party has has shifted left, 
because it used to be a mainstream American party. And a lot of us were Democrats and, and are no longer Democrats right. because of it. Well, I mean, it, it was it was viewed that Democrats and Republicans were were both Americans. Yeah. And you know, and we supported our president, whoever was elected, and yeah. we were and we wanted that person to do well. We wanted America to do well. Yeah. And we had faith that whoever was elected president was there to represent America in a in a good way. Yeah. And I think that that faith is dissipating. And now we, you know, and especially when we can see the problems with the Democrat nominee now mentally, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine what the real plan for this is. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's not coming from the people that are marching in the streets against us. It's coming from the ones who put them there in the streets. It's the people with the billions of dollars that are doing this. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with John Daniel Rudd. Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5-101.9, AM 14:50, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential, they're open, they're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, presents Biennial 2020, a faculty exposition of art and design, happening now through October 17th at the Todd Art Gallery on MTSU's campus. Our galleries follow MTSU's COVID-19 procedures. All exhibits are free and open to the public. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for more information on the fall exhibit schedule. This is your alarm on an ordinary vacation. Hello, ma'am. This is your wake-up call. (sighs) This is your alarm on a real vacation. Go on a real vacation. Go RV. Take the wheel at your nearest RV dealer or at GoRVing.com. If you're in debt to the IRS, there's good news. Optima Tax Relief can help you resolve your tax debt right from the safety of your own home. Optima's award-winning team works with you online and over the phone, so you don't have to leave the comfort of your home to put your tax problems to rest. Optima's A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau and standing by, ready to help you today. Call now for a free consultation. Call 800-833-0733. 800-833-0733. Optima Tax Relief. For details, visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Our people, that's the difference. Maples Realty and Auction. I'm Betsy Maples-Taylor with Maples Realty and Auction Company in Murfreesboro. It's a great time to book an auction. Dates are filling up fast for fall auctions. The Maples team will come to your property and do a free, no-obligation analysis to determine if an auction is the best option for you. For more information, visit MaplesRealtyAndAuction.com or call 615-896-4740. Maples Realty and Auction. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. 
I'm Ron Jordan. Tennessee voters who request an absentee by mail ballot for the November 3rd election can track the status of their ballot on the Secretary of State's website using the absentee by mail ballot status tracker tool. Completed absentee ballots must be returned by mail to your local county election commission. Voters are encouraged to request to return their ballots early in order to ensure deadlines are met. More information and a link to that tracker tool on WGNSRadio.com. A dump truck rolled over shortly after 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon on East Jefferson Pike at Riverwalk. Rutherford County Fire Rescue Chief Larry Farley told News Radio WGNS. Smart ready mix dump truck was traveling down East Jefferson Pike. He flipped the dump truck over. It was hauling red clay dirt, and the driver was not injured. He did tear up the pavement pretty bad when he took the truck. The driver was not injured. Farley noted that the roadway was closed while TDOT made certain the damaged pavement was repaired and that all the red clay was washed off. The road was reopened around 7.30. Governor Bill Lee and Department of Environment and Conservation Commissioner David Salyers announced a state revolving fund loan of $800,000 for the town of Woodbury to improve water infrastructure. The loan is one of two approved by the Tennessee Local Development Authority, with funds for Woodbury and Cleveland totaling $10.8 million. Tennessee's Clean Water State Revolving Fund Loan Program has awarded more than $2 billion in low-interest loans since its inception in 1987. The state's Drinking Water State Revolving Fund Loan Program has awarded more than $300 million in low-interest loans since its inception in 1996. When news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad, across from the Ford dealer, host of the Truman Show live broadcast. You have such great people working here. Would you want to do anything else? No, sir. I love coming to work every day. I love this. Open Monday through Saturday at 6.30 for breakfast and lunch, Thursdays and Fridays for dinner. We listen to the gossip that's going on at every other table. We're able to keep up with all the things that go on in Murfreesboro. Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad, across from the Ford dealer. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again, and we'll be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. Yeah, we're, we're back. Uh, we came back a, a little quicker than, than we uh, normally would. You are a busy, busy man. I remember back years ago when we were talking about um, keeping the prisoners uh, uh, healthy while they were at the jail and, uh, and at the workhouse. It spread out to the workhouse. And then you have a, a uh, full... Uh, medical service that you take care of all the patients that uh, come and pay for you, the, your service and things like that. Uh, I guess we're paying for everybody's services when, when, when they're at the jail. 
But you have done such a great job because you have saved Rutherford County, no telling how much, by giving them the type of service that they have to have uh, in the jail or the penal facilities. And, and, and then uh, you have a contract with the county that you provide, and I, I guarantee you uh, that is the best service that they have at the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department when it comes to penal-type situations because uh, there's no telling how much money you, you uh, save the citizens in Rutherford County. And, and uh, I always like to say that because you really do. You work hard to, to make sure that we don't run into any type of uh, problems, uh, any, any type of lawsuits or things like that because... Um, I don't know of another place anywhere that I have been to that have the type of service that we have that uh, uh, they, they're not only protecting, uh, you're not only protecting the prisoners, but you're also protecting the people who work there to make sure that they're taken care of also. Well, thank you, Truman. I mean, I've, I've been doing it for several years Long now, time. and I, I enjoy it. It's, um, you know... It's, it's actually a form of public health because yeah. uh, most of the people that we see there don't get very good health care on the outside. And they come in um, lots of times with active addictions or active uh, psychiatric illness that uh, has been untreated or poorly yeah. treated, undertreated. And to me, to be able to see the impact that you can have on people when they come in and often in, in really bad shape and then in 30 or 45 days to see the turnaround is um, it's it's very rewarding it feels good to see the changes that we can do you know we've we've had a special um, uh, problem dealing with the um, uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic but you know, I think we've approached it together with the sheriff's department and and been very effective in um, controlling it. We we've um, we've had good outcomes, very good outcomes, and and I think that you know our goal is to uh, protect not only our patients, our inmates, but also the custody staff, the sheriff's yeah. department, and uh, we continue to do that. You know, I, I think I've got two questions. Uh, one is, do you have a percentage of, pri uh, worked out a percentage of how many prisoners who, who come to the jail initially would actually have uh, signs of the virus itself? And, and then the other question would be, um, when it's time for them to leave and if they still have the virus, what would you do with them at that point? Well, first of all, because of a person's civil rights, mm -hmm. even when they're arrested, they can refuse to be tested. And so we screen them. We try to, we screen them first with questions mm -hmm. and then their vital signs. Yeah. And, and we try to get people to allow us to test them. Mm -hmm. And we try to test everyone who comes in. Um, but unfortunately, probably half the people who come in refuse the test. Oh, really? Yes. 
Look like it would be in their benefit. I, that's what we try to to tell them and to yeah. teach them, but that's the way it pans out. Mm-hmm. It's about half the people just do not want to be tested. And if they refuse to be tested, we're certainly not going to test somebody against their will. Mm-hmm. Now, if they have fever or symptoms of a respiratory illness, we will isolate them mm-hmm. because we will treat them as though they may have the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, And we have set up a system of isolation and quarantine Mm -hmm. inside of the the, uh, sheriff's department, the detention facility, that that allows us to keep track of people. So even if they refuse to be tested, we still um, can quarantine them Mm -hmm. until we are are comfortable that everything's okay. Um, We have... We saw a spike early on in cases. Uh, we had, uh, we've probably had over 100 cases total at the jail, mm-hmm. uh, but right now we're down to one active case. And so, um, and we're doing, we're instituting a new uh, procedure that's called pool testing. Mm-hmm. Because our relative incidence of the virus is so low, the laboratory has a procedure that allows us to consolidate a group of tests, say five or ten, and run it as one test. And if it's positive, we go back and run all the individuals. Yeah. So we can do more testing and get the results back quicker that way. And so we're, we're doing some sort of innovative new approaches to testing that are helping us to, um, to control the disease. And uh, a lot will depend on what happens this fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the numbers dropped dramatically over the summer, and uh, I suspect we're going to see an increase in the fall and winter. But, you know, another thing we do is actively try to um, vaccinate everybody for flu. We got our flu vaccine in this last week, and we've started vaccination process to get everybody vaccinated. We encourage uh, everyone to be, to be vaccinated for flu because you know get having COVID-19 and influenza is like a double whammy if you have it at the same time and we know that if you have both at the same time the the risk of dying from it is, is probably double mm-hmm. and so you know that's something that we're you know actively uh working on you know uh, I, I just saw uh Janie Stewart come up and she's sitting next to us she she finally she she uh, she bought a uh, uh, well they bought a uh, ship, seventy five eighty feet long, and they're just now getting it back. They didn't have to go that far, but you know you've got to go through bridges and all of those things, and they take it apart. And it, it, it's amazing how she finally shows up after all this time. Bless your heart. Three days. Three days. <laughs> Hey, let's get this phone call. Caller, welcome aboard with uh, Dr. John Daniel Rudd. Hey, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, I just I just wanted to thank Dr. Rudd too for uh, I've enjoyed the show. Uh, man, he's he he knows it. He, I, I enjoyed him. I think he was on the boat show, and uh, it's just been good hearing. I thank you, Dr. Rudd, for taking your time out of your busy schedule and coming on Truman Show, and thank you, gentlemen, for. Taking such good guests, I, I just wanted to say that. Well, he is a great guest, and it's it's nice to have bright people 
that can share some of their knowledge with with the general public, and I, I that's one reason I, I love. It. It's one of the more fun shows that uh, that um, you can take part with. I, uh, I I absolutely love it. Well, thank you very much. It's it's good to be here, and I I really uh, I want people to not be afraid of this virus, but to approach it more like. Um, something that you can deal with but have a plan to deal with it and understand how to deal with it understand what it does and and how you can be safer do you think that quarantining everybody was the correct way of dealing with this particular disease because you know we've never quarantined uh, anyone because of the flu we just uh, simply um, would not open up certain things for polio, when we remember polio back in the 50s, uh, late 40s and in, in, in the 50s. And uh, it would, of course, polio would come at certain times of the year. You're talking about this particular d- disease probably comes stronger in the wintertime. Of course, we're not out as much in the wintertime also as we are in the, the good weather times and everybody likes to be with each other during that particular time. Um, and you have to also measure the economy, uh, uh, how it's going to suffer when you do these. I know a lot of small businesses, uh, some of them went completely out of business, and, and a lot of them were able to, uh, uh, just like Janie sitting over here with uh, Pinnacle Bank, uh, they were able to uh, supplement uh, a lot of small businesses during that particular period. It, 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 and you are a good businessman also. So put your uh, both your knowledges together on those particular issues and tell me what you would have done. Well, that's a tough question because basically the people who were in charge in the beginning had these projections that were from models. Mm-hmm. And models are never right, but they're frequently helpful. Yeah. And I think that they were worried about the tremendous number of potential deaths from a new virus that we had no experience with. And they made a conservative choice to aggressively uh, limit exposure to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, we survived it. And we we have had uh, 200,000 deaths in this country, which is... I mean, that's a lot of deaths. What percentage is that? And how me- what percentage are those that had uh, health problems, very serious health problems before? Well, probably 60% of the people who died this year from COVID-19 mm-hmm. would have died this year from something. Yeah. Um, but we also know that looking globally, which, I mean, when you're talking about a pandemic, you've got to limit travel. And because the thing spreads so fast, and if we didn't stop travel, if we didn't limit a lot of things, we would see more problems for sure. But worldwide today, COVID-19 is the sixth leading cause of death in the world. Mm -hmm. That's pretty significant to go from zero to six in but how much of that information is, is, is accurate coming from other countries like like China and, yeah. well, and all, all of those particular areas? And China is the one that started this to start with. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, this came out of China. Yeah. But, I mean, this was not a manufactured virus. 
this was a virus that came out of probably bat populations. There, there is no evidence this was produced. Now, could this have been collected and grown in a lab? Yes. yes. And accidentally released? Yes, could have been. But it would be pretty dumb for a country to let a virus go intentionally in its own country. And so, you know, I think if it, if it did come out of the laboratory. But they shared it with us. Yeah, they, they if didn't. if it had been for they didn't President hesitate. Trump. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. Stop I mean, all of that he company. stopped the travel. Yeah. And, and that was, and he did it early, which yeah. is good. Yeah. But in spite of that, we're still, you know, we still are losing people. And, and I think we have to take it seriously, but not be afraid of it. Yeah. Because it, it, it doesn't deserve the fear. It deserves attention. All right. So what are you saying? I'm saying wear your mask when you're out. You know, people who've had it, okay, you're lucky. You've got the antibodies, you're safe. I'm glad I've got my mask yeah, on I know. right now. Yeah, I know you do. And uh, it's like, uh, you know, I think for people who are trying to avoid it, mm-hmm. you wear your mask, mm-hmm. you wash your hands, you do the social distancing, you try to limit being around in uh, crowds. You know, it's like you described how you got it. You got it at a graduation party, and you yeah. got it riding in a car with somebody you didn't know had the virus right. that's how you got it that's how most people get it mm-hmm. are are those things and most tr- people get it at graduations and at par- riding in a car with someone close contact yeah close contact is how you get it yeah and to limit that stuff is important to help control it but and, but if the masks are so successful why did we shut down so many things? I don't think we knew how successful they would be. This but if we knew in the start with, yeah, it, well, should, well, should we have absolutely just shut down restaurants and everything? Well, I think if if we knew then what we know now, there would have been a better way to handle it. Yeah. But we didn't. And so we can't know what we don't know. And we're learning as we go. And one of the things is is that, you know, We've advanced so quickly because of the amount of money that's been put into it and the amount of money that it has cost us. I mean, it's, it's a, affected us every way. It's affected us from the, our federal deficit. It's affected us from the business standpoint and our and incomes. It's affected us health-wise. It, it's been a very expensive learning curve that we've had to go through. But we know now a lot more than we did. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing that we have is we're on the verge of having many vaccines that are going to be available. Vaccines are going to help dramatically squash this. And when we get those out and get those in people who are especially the vulnerable people, yeah, people in nursing homes. That's where they say and, that they're yeah. going to send it to, which is a good thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. And that's going to help a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that. We have a lot to be grateful for. Uh, we've lost a lot of people. That is is a tragedy, but it's gonna it's gonna get better. Percentage wise, have we ever had a disease that has fatally um, uh, killed so many people in, in, in percentage wise in this country? Of course, we're we're way up in the, in in the millions of dollars uh, millions of uh, population here in this country yeah i mean no uh not in america's history but we you know the uh, 
uh, flu outbreak in the 1917-18. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was pretty severe, but a lot of that was related to the wartime effort that we were in, and and the effect that had on everybody. Uh, but I think that you know this virus is incredibly contagious. Yeah, and it, it's affected people. Um, in ways that we couldn't have predicted. And there's still a lot of people that uh, believe that it will just simply go away. It will. I mean, if we wanted to ride it out that long, but it would be there would be a lot more deaths. Yeah. If we can vaccinate and we can do the things to mitigate the infection, like washing hands, face mask, and distancing then we can cut the number of deaths. Mm-hmm. It may actually um, uh, not make it go away faster, but we can have less deaths if we do those things and then get the vaccine out. Once the vaccine is out, that's when I expect the numbers to really drop. Mm-hmm. The uh, vaccine that comes as far as you know right now, uh, is this going to be a vaccine that will be given every year to protect our people from uh, having the disease again? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, there's there's several different vaccines that are coming. Mm-hmm. One is a one-shot vaccine. One is a two-shot vaccine. Uh, but this virus will not be a problem in two or three or four years. Yeah. This vaccine will be helpful for that period of time, and then that's it. Yeah. And I think that we'll be on to a new virus, a new problem. But people will not have to revaccinate with this vaccine over and over and over. I think that's one of the things a lot of people are afraid of, that uh, the vaccine will only be successful, uh, a lot like the flu uh, vaccine is, uh, for, for some people. And, and uh, um, there are so many different type of flu problems when you get the flu and for some people it won't even protect them at all well flu is influenza is very different from um SARS-CoV-2 mm-hmm. uh influenza changes uh the antigens the mm-hmm. proteins on the surface of it every yeah. year this virus won't it has a much lower mutation rate Okay. And so it's it's going to be a lot more effective to have a vaccine for it mm-hmm. that you can count on one time working. So it should be very, I mean, almost 100% successful yeah. if, it's done, if it's done correctly. Uh, well, they're, they're calling it a success if it's over 70%. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. But I, I believe it will be. So the, the fear that seems to be pushed by certain groups right now, uh, you need to listen to physicians who actually have the knowledge of this particular disease to give you, uh, without any political bias or anything like that, you, you need to listen to those and actually would would pretty much take care of your fears of what's going to happen. That's exactly right. This is... This is a real disease. Yeah. It's it's not all politics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being used by pol- politicians for their own purposes. Yeah. But this is a real disease, and it has real treatments, and it, you know, and you have to pay attention to it. But there is no need to have massive fear over it. Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. So 
listen you're, to your doctor. Right now, you're you're making a lot of people feel a whole lot better because um, when you utilize fear for for something like this, you're you're being completely irresponsible. And, yeah, and the only just, people you make bad judgments. Yeah, and, and I, I guarantee you, I'll believe anything that you say because I know that you're not going to protect my emotions or anything <laughs> like that. You never have, so why should you start right now? I, I think you should just let your feelings out, Truman. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> what time? Oh, we're we're past our time. Oh. Um, I didn't realize. I don't. Well, they still saying that uh, I got a collar on, but I know okay. I don't. Uh, thank you for coming by again. Thank uh, you for inviting yeah, me. Yeah. It's good to be here, and uh, and uh, you know, let's hope for a beautiful weekend. And I accept your apology for being late this okay, morning. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at 9. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. 